So if kiddos want to move in there, um, when questions start, they're obviously welcome to stay in here. We love being family together, um, but there will be background checked um, people in that room to hang out and chat with kids and play games with them and that type of thing. So um, I want to start tonight by um, giving us an opportunity uh, to worship the Lord with our finances. Um, when we think about what tries to grab our heart's attention, um, so often it comes down to our time. We love to grab our time and hold on to it. It's my time. I can do what I want with it. It's our talent. We think we're responsible for every talent that we've crafted and been given. And it's our treasure. It's every bit of finances we've worked hard for at that, that's ours. And so inside of us, that is a war that battles all the time. And that's why those things are talked about so often. But God gives us an opportunity to be generous with all of those things. He gives us an opportunity to share our time. In fact, a lot of people shared their time with Doug and Anna um, this weekend, helping them move. He gives us an opportunity to share our talents. Um, people are gonna come up here at the end of service and lead us in worship. And he gives us an opportunity to share our treasure that helps further his kingdom in ways that we would never begin to imagine or probably even see this side of heaven. So on your table, you have papers that have QR codes that will get you into the app, the website, if you want to tithe online. There's a box in the back, a black box um, on the wall, if you want to tithe uh, with check or cash. Um, those, are, those are the ways that we have accessible for you. If you have a question on any of those things, you can talk to anybody that has one of the yellow lanyards on. Um, but I would love to pray over that and also pray over our time together this evening. Father God, we just come before you and we thank you for this time to be together, to share a meal, to share our lives, um, to open our hearts and our lives with those across from us at a table to get to know each other in a deeper way. Um, there are so many ways that we get to partner with you, God, and I think sometimes we don't even recognize the power that comes um, with sharing words of encouragement and life with each other as we sit down to share a meal. And so we ask you to bless um, this finance, um, that it would go further than we could ever dream. We ask you to bless our time together, and um, we lift all this up in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Well, my name's Crystal. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet, I have the pleasure and honor of being the pastor at this Ogden Second Street campus. And we are in the middle of our One Another series. And this series has been powerful in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to start by sharing a story with you. So I don't know about you guys, but when my husband, Dave, and I got married, um, we both brought friendships into the relationship. So if you've got friends you hang out with, oftentimes you'll bring additional friends into the friendship. 
If you hang out with family all the time, a lot of times you'll bring your friends over to meet your family. Well, when you're a couple, trying to find couple friends that you connect with is like a real thing. So Dave had this friend that he was really, really close with. They were mostly close because they bonded over the Minnesota Vikings, the football team, okay? And also because Dave was from North Dakota and this friend was from South Dakota. And if you know people from the Dakotas, you share a similar language. So this friend was really important to my husband and he had recently gotten married just like Dave and I had recently gotten married. So they decided to have us over for dinner one night. I was so excited. I was like, oh, it's like our first set of couple friends, right? And so we went over to their house and we got introduced and Dave and I sat down on a couch in their family room, which was a little bit sunken down and they were in the kitchen and right off the bat, the fighting started. It did not stop the entire evening. They bickered and they fought and they talked down to each other the entire evening. I don't think I've ever been so uncomfortable during, during a, a mealtime in my entire life. And it was over the most petty things. I mean, we got up and when we left that evening, I was like, do they even like each other? Like they just got married. Do they even like each other? And I said to Dave, I'm like, babe, I don't think I can go back. I don't think I can spend time with them again because it was the most uncomfortable thing in the world. So I wanna know how many of you have been around people like this, right? where they're fighting and arguing over the craziest things. And maybe if you haven't been around it, you're the one that's created it, right? You're the one that has fought with your sibling. And your parents are like, could you please get along? Or you're the one that has talked down to your teacher and everybody in class is like mortified that you would speak to that person that way. Maybe you're the one picking a fight with your spouse, or your friend, or your boss. You're just antagonistic, and so you find anything you can to fight about. But maybe, maybe you're like, Crystal, that's, I, don't, I don't know anything about that. I bet you've seen it on the television. How about during campaign season, right? During the debates on TV? You're sitting there watching it and you're yelling at the television. You're like, could you guys grow up? Could you find something that you agree on? Could you get to the important issue? And could we talk about that? Well, this is the day-to-day -day life that we're all living in. And most of us, when we get into a situation like that, we think to ourselves, but I'm right. I'm right. Or we think, if I could just get my way. Or we're judging other people over their decisions, their opinions, or the things that they take a stance on. But in the Bible, in the Word of God, if you consider yourself a Jesus follower, it says this. It says, 
let us think of ways to motivate one another toward acts of love and good works. We're supposed to motivate each other to good things, to love and to good works. And guys, listen, nothing outside of the church can tear the church apart. And the church is not this building. It's you and I. Nothing can tear us apart as long as we remain family and unified and at peace with one another. In Matthew 5, 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. We are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. That's different. We're called to make peace. And a peacemaker from a biblical perspective is one who is actively trying to reconcile people to God and to one another. To God and to one another. Again, there's that word actively. It's about helping people reconcile who have broken relationships among themselves, but most importantly, with God. This has to be an intentional thing, you guys. This isn't going to happen by accident, especially in the culture that we're living in right now. But we can build unity, and we can be in harmony, and we can keep the peace. So how do we do that when we certainly do not agree on every conceivable issue, right? I bet most of us at every table disagree on a hundred different issues. But you know what we agree on? For the most part, if we're in this room, not everybody, but for the most part, most of us agree that Jesus is Lord. That's our cord that keeps us together. And the Apostle Paul gave us step-by-step instructions on how to do this. In Ephesians 4.2, it says, Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Humble, gentle, patient, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So we make allowance for each other to make mistakes. Maybe we hurt each other's feelings. But you know what we don't do? Cancel each other. We're humble and we're gentle. In Colossians 3.13, he says this. He says, be gentle. There's that word again. And ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. That's hard, right? That's hard. But you know what? When we apply that, Do you know how different we look than the world? Because what does the world do? Holds grudges. Every opportunity. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You guys, we are in the middle of the biggest time of culture wars we've probably seen in decades. And the division that is happening leads to subtraction. In the church body... And in our own families, people hate each other. We grew up saying we don't say hate in our house, but I'm going to say it in this house right now because the reality is people hate each other right now. They do. It is crazy. 
And they do, they want to cancel each other. They assume the worst about each other. Guess what they want to do? Go to war with each other. And we are called to build a bridge. In this culture of outrage, we can combat it with love and peace and staying in the family, not leaving when it gets hard or uncomfortable, but staying put and working through things. You know, there's this new thing, maybe it's not so new, but it's talked about all the time right now, called humanism. It's all the rage, you guys. People love it. And humanism says that we are the solution to our own problem, that we can fix this if we just try harder, get better politicians in office, fix ourselves. But you know what? We can't fix this because we can't fix the human heart. We aren't capable of doing that, you guys. We're in the 21st century right now, and we are literally killing each other in real life and online. But Oswald Day Smith said this, the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. And only the living God can save us. That's who can save us. And you know, Jesus addressed this issue in a prayer that he prayed. We know Jesus prayed all the time, right? He was always going away to pray and be with his father. But you know what? He actually has a prayer written down, and he addressed this very issue in the prayer. In John 17, through 24, he says this, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. He prays for unity. That is what he prays for. That's what he's asking of us, you guys, is that we would be in unity. And do you know why? In order that the world would believe. The people that aren't in here, when we are unified, there's something that draws them, you guys. Just like I didn't want to go back to those friends' house because they fought all the time. Nobody wants to be in a church building when they see the way they're behaving online. And in the news, they're like, why would I want to follow Jesus when they are hateful and mean and they can't even get along and they can't agree on anything? But when we are in agreement and in peace, people are drawn to that like crazy. And Jesus knew that. If the church isn't unified, they won't believe. Jesus prayed that we may be one in order because unity is so attractive. You guys, we're not an organization. The church is not an organization. We are a family, and this is our house. And our doors are open, and we want people in here. And when we can work toward unity, people will come in. 
we know that one day there will be unity. It says so in the word of God in Revelation 7, 9. Do you know what it says? It says over 6,000 languages will be before the throne of God. 6,000 languages. God finds our diversity so beautiful. Features, forms, colors, everything creates the beauty and the variety of God our creator. What is God's will in heaven is unity. And what unites us, you guys, is infinitely greater than anything that divides us. If Jesus dying, rising, and coming again is our focus, we can be unified. We can put our, that's a hill I'll die on. That is a hill I will die on. I don't need to agree with you on everything else because that is the most beautiful and powerful thing in my life. That is meant to be our North Star and everything that our life is centered on. So guess what? We get to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. We get to answer his prayer. All the time we're up here praying for people, we're praying, and we're praying for God to answer our prayer. And how amazing that Jesus prayed this prayer, and he wants us to answer it. How badly do you want to answer Jesus' prayer? That's by creating unity and being at peace with one another. So I want to give you a little glimpse of what this can look like. I went last week to Kansas City um, to a huge gathering. Um, it was called The Send. But everybody gathered for five days before that to worship and pray. There was thousands and thousands and thousands of people there praying over everything from Gen Z um, to our schools, to our teachers, to our communities, to people to answer the call of God on their life. But what was so powerful, you guys, is literally every tribe and tongue, every walk of life, every age, was there together worshiping. Do you know what I bet? Every denomination of Christian belief was there. Every single one. Oh my gosh, I bet there were Catholics there. I bet there were Protestants, Charismatics, Evangelicals. Every single one. Not one person was talking about what they disagreed on. Every person was focused on worshiping Jesus. That's what it can look like. What else can it look like? Did you know? I mean, I've shared with you guys a million times because my life is an open book, but I'm a divorced woman and remarried. My husband and I go to, ex-husband and I go to the same church. Nathan and Megan's dad and stepmom go to Crossroads. We worship God together. That's okay. We probably don't agree on a lot. We agree on that. We agree on that. This little experiment that we're doing that you guys are participating in, 
that you're pouring your lives into, that you're coming because you're contending for God to move in this community, in this neighborhood, in this area, and in each other's lives, and you're committed to knowing each other better and spending time with each other, not just on Sunday evenings for a couple hours, but like maybe during the week, being involved in each other's lives on a deep level, that's living in unity and contending for it. What if we could possibly lead the way, you guys? What if we could show the world what it looks like to be in unity? I think we can. I think we can. We can be at peace with one another, even as the world falls to pieces, you guys. Because the world is falling to pieces, and they're looking, for, they're looking for hope. And you know what? We've got it. We've got it. So this week, I want to encourage you, is there someone that you're not at peace with? Is there someone you need to forgive? Is there someone that you're not being patient with towards their faults? I want to encourage you to begin praying for that person, repenting of your sin, and asking God to help you see that person the way he does. And then remember to take time to realize how patient and forgiving God has been with you. Because in Ephesians 4.2, it says, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We're going to take some time now for discussion questions.